Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you by Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald. Creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Kingsley rolls to the boys, back to Kingsley. Carlson towards no, the lovely no, effort. No, 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 Kingsley magic! Hello and welcome. <laughs> welcome to. I already said miserable. Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel. <laughs> I am Laurie Dunsire, and I'm joined on this oh. week's episode by Mark Donaldson. I, I, I've ruined the intro, but it's staying. It's staying. <laughs> I just realised I spoke a few words, and I was like, oh, Christ. Hello. Uh, no talk about perspective this week. I, I haven't got much. I'll give you a lot, but I haven't got much uh, as far as... But like hearts, as far as the defence is concerned. But we do have a defender to provide some defence. He's back. And this is the happiest I have been. The return of Laurie Dunsire. Who? Of Mrs. McGowan. Well, no, sorry. That's, uh, that's <laughs> the wrong name on his Zoom login today. But we are joined by St. Johnston defender Ryan McGowan, who did play at the weekend, um, unbeknownst to me until... Yes, about, until Rob Borwick told you during, I got told commentary. Mid, during the commentary that he was back. <laughs> Kept yeah. that one quiet. Well, unless it's hearts related, you don't want to speak to me, do you? It's very, you're very mean to me sometimes, so it's very <laughs> quiet. But somebody else on this show messaged me on Friday to see if I was playing, yeah, which is very kind. Kept, kept up to date, indeed. Yeah. Uh, how, how did it go? More to the point, how are you feeling? I was feeling all right until fucking Andy got sent off after three minutes. <laughs> Birthday card, huh? So, so he's finally back, and he lasts less time than Andy Considine lasted on the field for yeah. St Johnston on Saturday. What a shitty few days. Oh, he's gone. gone. Now. He's now gone. He's like, and we, we, you didn't even abuse him this time. That was like two minutes and forty odd seconds, and Considine lasted three minutes before he <laughs> sent off for St Johnston. So this is worse than Scott Wilson. Jeez. Oh wow. Uh, so uh, we do have. He'll be back. Going. He'll be. He'll be back. Right. We'll. We'll. We'll carry on. I'll, okay. I'll... This has been a shambolic opening to the game. Um, to the game? Vodka. Oh my god. Are you drunk? No, but I wish I was. You've got a wee sneaky beer. You had. You could not have done this without a beer. What are you, you drinking? Hear me? Oh, he's back! He's back. <laughs> I, what happened? What happened I have no idea what happened there. 
This is all so staying just, in. This is all oh, staying in. We're just saying, Ryan, that Andrew Considine lasted longer on the pitch than you did on this podcast to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> I was honestly talking for a couple of minutes and then stopped and I was like, are you taking the piss? Are you still there or what? And it just dropped out. None of you just text either. Um, so I have no idea what you listen to, but yes, it, I was happy to be back. I wasn't happy good. when Andy got sent off and no. it was a long 90 odd minutes. But I also said, like I said to you guys, I don't think Aberdeen were that great. Interesting. Well, I don't know if maybe, that's good for you guys or not. We'll I, see. I well, maybe you'll me. give us a bit of hope. You'll maybe yeah. give us a bit of hope. Obviously, you, you won't be able to dissect the Hearts Kilmarnock game with us, given you were playing at the time, so weren't able to watch it. And I, I wouldn't recommend re-watching it um, <laughs> for anyone at home. But yes, we will we'll talk about Hearts Kilmarnock a little bit. Uh, we're not going to give it a deep analysis because, well, quite frankly, I don't want to relive it too much. Um, but we'll discuss some of the issues which have been highlighted from that game. And yes. Um, so it's a 24-hour podcast, is it? Just some, uh, just some just of them, some. and what we don't, we'll talk about the the predicament Hearts are in, the, the manager's position. I know it's come up quite a lot recently, um, but still a pertinent topic, given a lot of the discussion on social media and such like. And yeah, we've got some feedback from some of you, the listeners, and some people on social media, which we'll get to as well, because you've heard Mark and I speak an awful lot, so we will try and get some of. Some more views out there to give a bit more, um, bit more coverage, and try and I don't know, just see where we're at. I'm just, I'm just very depressed just now after that game of the weekend. So yeah, let's get going. Right, Hearts Kilmarnock, mm. Saturday. Oh wait, All before right. I say that, wait, wait, before that, I say that we're we're sponsored. I still have to say we're sponsored by someone, even though thankfully they still sponsor us, even if Hearts are crap. Um, I think, check the terms, we are sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s, and Hearts were playing Kilmarnock at the weekend um, at Rugby Park. We were looking for a reaction, having uh, suffered a dismal 3-0 defeat to Aberdeen before the international break, and this was the first big topic, Mark, the, the first thing that everyone was waiting to find out was would Robbie Nielsen stick with the three? So it, it it started with a bit of good news in a way because we saw the team line up and we were told what the kind of rough shape would be. And no, Robbie Nielsen was dropping the three at the back and was also dropping Barry Mackay. So a couple of big requests that were, I, I suppose, met initially. That plus the opening goal was about as good as it got. Yeah, we went 4-3-3 or 4-whatever it was. Um, no Barry Mackay. Alan Forrest preferred kind of wide on the left-hand side. Two around Snodgrass, which most people had been calling for. It was Keogh and, and George Grant. But still Kingsley over Cochrane, which was still a little bit baffling. Yeah, that did surprise me. Um, I know Cochrane got hooked at Pataudry. Didn't have a great game there, but to be honest, did anyone have a great game at Pataudry? I don't think they did. But yeah, on the whole, in, in recent fixtures and this season, really, Cochrane has certainly been better than Kingsley. And if you're playing at left-back, I think that's Cochrane's absolutely ideal position for me. Left-centre-back, not quite his role. Left-wing-back, he does well, but I think left-back, is that's him 
left back Cochrane does terrifically there generally. So I was surprised at that. But on the whole, I think we saw the starting eleven. I think most people would have been reasonably pleased. Obviously, Cammy Devlin being out injured with his concussion from international duty meant there was no way he'd be considered. I would have been very disappointed if Cammy Devlin was available and was not in the starting eleven again. But that fact that was completely taken off the table anyway. So I think, yeah, it was lined up as a 4-3-3. I know the kind of shape in the middle and, and attack changed a little bit. Um, but yeah, Clark and goals, Smith right, Kingsley left, Rolls and Civic in the centre, uh, Grant, Snodgrass, Kiermaet, Soglu in the midfield with Forrest and Ginelli flanking Lawrence Shankland. And I mean, another thing we kind of started with Shankland as the the nine, really, out-and-out out striker. So mm. something else that we've been looking for. And... Terrific goal as well. I mean, I don't think yep. I don't think we'd even had the ball in the final third, uh, barely in Kamarnik's half before that chance came, and it was an error that ended up giving Hearts the ball. But on the angle, players in front of him, terrific finish. And was yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get to a lot of a lot of negatives, and there are a lot to get to. But I would say one big positive um, from recent games, and one player who you'd say always seems to be giving us all. You know, he's not always getting much to work with and he's not always been played up top. But I think Lawrence Shankland is one that you would say can generally um, hold his head high. Well, to be honest, I think he's the only one. Seriously. Uh, I mean, who else? Uh, well, at the weekend, yeah. yeah, there's probably no one else from the there, weekend. There wasn't, no, there, there, there wasn't. And to, to win a game of football, you need a lot of things. But Ryan will tell us. Ryan, if if I said you you probably need a good seven or eight to be a seven out of ten or better, that's pretty fair, isn't it? If the two sides are, if there's not much between the two sides, you you need the majority of players yeah. on your side to be performing well, don't you? Yeah, you need more than seven. That's kind of what I used to be told and said. Is seven of these need to win your battles or be on top of your direct opponent to give yourself mm -hmm. a better chance. You know, very rarely do you have all 11, but if you can get yeah, seven, sure. um, it gives you a bit of a fighting chance. There's always a kind of, you know, maybe a one winger and a strike, or, def you know, right back is 50-50. But if you can win the majority of your battles, you're going to have half a chance. And especially this season, like coming back to Scotland, you forget how much that is, you know, probably three quarters of the game is, is getting a, a foothold in it, competing, um, it's probably why I've had a career so long over here is, you know, just doing all that kind of dirty stuff is, is you know, a major thing in, in Scotland and a major thing over the world. It, it just kind of gets dismissed a little bit at the top, top level. But, you know, you need to be able to win possession back, do the dirty things, track runners, mark your men at set pieces, stop crosses, you know, all the kind of things that... Um, you know, kids sometimes think, you know, they're too cool or they're too good that they don't have to do it. If you don't do it at the highest level, you're punished and you lose games of football. And, and that's as simple as that. And I think only seeing the highlights, Robbie must be just sitting there thinking, what is going on? The, the goals that they've conceded over the last couple of weeks have been Horrible. so, so, oh, so, so bad. And, it, and it's a combination of errors from as soon as they lose the ball, from the reaction to it, so, like I said, not stopping crosses, not picking men up in the box. There's just so many things that that that, 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 that do happen. But you know, if you're wanting to be third and 
you know, challenging Celtic and Rangers, then you need to eliminate them from your from your game. Looking at the Kilmarnock team, Ryan, I want to ask you, because I know obviously you, you've not seen the full game, but uh, David Watson was um, in the starting lineup. His first start was in the previous game against yes, your side, St. Johnston. Yeah. That was his second start. Obviously, I didn't know anything about him. Now, would it surprise you for me to say that David Watson pretty much put the entire Hearts midfield to shame with his work rate, his energy, winning the ball back, um, mm. just a yard ahead of, of pretty much all of our players? Yeah, it was his first start there, and he, he did catch my eye purely for those factors that, that you brought in. But, um, yeah, you'd like to think that the you know, we had a bit of a... I was only on the bench because the young boys had a game on Thursday. <laughs> so we were a little bit short on numbers. Um, so I was never coming on in that game. And we had a couple of other young boys. So we were a little bit backs against the wall. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's difficult with Kilmarnock. Without having seen that game, Kilmarnock all season is getting it wide to Jones and Armstrong, having two big strikers up front, putting as many balls into the box as you possibly can, and then the midfield three being up on second balls and winning it. The back four very rarely plays football, tries to get the ball forward. That's just how they play. And then watching the highlights, you're just like, look like Hearts have never seen how Kilmarnock played before. I know, um, but that's, I mean, I guess that's, this will be the big, so this is the you know big frustration. We'll talk about the individual goals. Um, you know, Shankland's got a great goal. We'll talk about the two Kilmarnock goals in a moment. But Mark, right from early on in this game and this is this is a huge this is a big concern for me you know after the Aberdeen game the very least I expected here was a Hearts team that had a bit between their teeth and looked like you know we need to go out and prove something here that was shambolic last time you know we need to be up for a fight and we said you know Rob and I said this before the game we're previewing it was like this is a Kamarnik team who are managed by Denton McInnes they'll be hard to beat they'll be up for a battle they'll get in your face they're fighting against relegation. I know this result has pulled them a bit clear. The one thing Hearts need to be in this game, because they know on paper they got better players than Kamarnik, is up for a battle because Kamarnik will want this to be a battle. Mm-hmm. And it didn't take very long to get the impression that Hearts were absolutely not up for a battle here because Kamarnik were snapping at the tackles and they were first to everything weren't they and it didn't change from you know, I know Hearts went ahead but to be honest it was against the run of play there was that spell <clears throat> after Hearts scored and before Kamarnik equalised I think Hearts looked like they might get on top but that was what 15 minutes other than that Kamarnik were the better team and it's not necessarily a Kamarnik have were, were quality and were playing brilliant passes but they were just a yard ahead of Hearts there's a high school basketball coach over here from many years ago that once uttered the line, hard work can beat ability if ability doesn't work hard. Now, Kelly have got ability as well, but we've got more ability. We said that last week. I said it was, if not one of Hart's most important games of the season, then potentially the most important game of the season. And as Ryan quite rightly said, Kelly didn't do anything different against Hearts than they did against St. Johnston the previous week. You know what you're getting from them. I am in no position to talk about players chucking it because I don't know. And it's that's a very serious statement to make. But you can down tools, or you could maybe not try as hard as, as you maybe want to do. Now, there's a lot of talk about Robbie Nielsen, quite rightly so. 
after what we've seen because there was no reaction. There was a change in formation, but there was absolutely no reaction from the players because even when they went down to 10 men, they still looked a better side than we did. We didn't create one clear chance. And that's the thing, and there hasn't been as much talk. I think this is just as important about the players. Now, Ryan would never belittle or or say anything about a derogatory about a a fellow professional, and, and I wouldn't expect him to. But the one thing that, that gets me, Ryan, when a new body comes in, a new voice comes in as a coach, whether it's the head coach or whether it's just someone else in, in training to freshen things up, the number of times we talk about a new manager bounce or we, we, we talk about, wow, where have we seen that from? I mean, the Aberdeen players under Barry Robson, the Motherwell players under Stuart Kettlewell. So sometimes you just need a different voice or something like that. But, but why should that be the case? Why can you, as a player, not you personally, but why can players not down tools but not give what they've given before? Because you know firsthand what hearts were like when we played you at St. St. Johnston at McDermott Park earlier this season. It was Mm -hmm. one of our best displays of the season. So what do you think has changed if it's the same on the whole players that are producing before but not producing now? I think... The, the changing rooms I've been involved in over the years that have had that thrown at us, you know, while playing, I wouldn't put it down to down tools or I don't believe in any of that stuff. I would say it's complacency. That's probably the biggest one. And then when you have that change of gaffer or bring somebody else in, that complacency is gone because everybody's almost on a clean slate. So you almost have to then you know, prove yourself again. Does that make sense? So there'll mm-hmm. be players at hearts that know if they're fit and available for selection, 90% of the time they'll be playing. Mm-hmm. And then if you have too many in that group that aren't performing at a higher level, then are still playing, then you get the group under that, uh, you know, know that they're a bit of a squad player or, or not. They're then thinking, what's the point of me training well and doing this because it doesn't matter how so-and-so performs at the weekend, he's always going to play. And then that's when it can start shuffling through the squad and training then becomes a little bit off because, you know, he's been rubbish at the weekend, but yet again, he'll still play. It doesn't matter if I train the house down all week, he's going to play. And so why should I even try? And it just, it's just a knock-on effect after a knock-on effect. And, And that's when it takes a strong change room and probably a strong manager to be like, this is not the case. You know, sometimes you you see managers dropping a big name or bringing a big name off or, you know, just doing something. And it's, he's probably spoken to that player, for example, and, and said, listen, you, I don't think you've been playing that badly, but I'm going to take you out a little bit of a rest, blah, blah, blah. But it's going to send also a message to everybody else that I've taken you out the squad. So there's nothing to tell, like, you know, there's no sort of agendas to that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's a difficult one because I've not seen the games. And it, and there's definitely, you know, having seen Hearts, like you said, against us at McDermott Park, we all came off as a St. Johnson team after the game thinking, fuck, they were so good that first 30 minutes. You could see why they were third and they were in Europe because you're just like, wow, they're fucking good players, played to a structure, they played really well. Like, we couldn't get close to them and we were... You know, we ended up getting back in the game, but for that sort of first 30, 35 minutes, they were a really good, really good side. So it's, you know, for me, having not seen them that much 
as I've, I've been to a couple of games when I can, it, it, it's almost like how can you get from that level to, you know, coming back in the change rooms after the weekend going, fuck, you know, how did Hearts lose to Kamarnock 2-1? You know, we played them last week. We Okay, we drew 1-1 one, one with them, but, you know, Hearts have better players than we do and we were we were very poor um, against Kilmarnock mm. and we still managed to to get away with the draw. So it was, um, yeah, it's just a, something doesn't, looking from afar, something doesn't seem to be right no. at the minute. No, and and I'm glad you're, you're on this week. Obviously, we hope to have you on last week talking about the kind of gap between the rest and the old firm, but to have you on this week to explain from a player's perspective and as someone who's an opponent to Hearts this season, what you've just said is very pertinent and it actually adds up to something I've been told and I'm not betraying any confidences and I will not name any names, but there are two or three players in particular whose attitude or approach to training is being questioned and it's no surprise that these two or three are not first-team regulars. They are squad players so, okay, we, we have a situation where there is a perception that if you're fit, you play, if you're certain players. That's on the manager now to basically change things. It takes a, a strong manager because you can't keep doing what we're doing and expect results to change. That ain't going to happen. We know we're in for a battle against St Mirren. And you tell me any Hearts fan right now that would confidently put... 50 pence, whatever they want to bet on it, on a home win. What would get, apart from us and our stupidity at the end of every podcast where we always predict the hearts win regardless, what would give us, looking at Kilmarnock, Aberdeen, the two Celtic games, the Motherwell game, what would give us the thought process that, yeah, hearts will beat St. Minute? We should, but not if we don't show up. So is it a case of wholesale changes are required? And if someone's not a good trainer or has a bad attitude which seems to be the perception of about two or three of them at the football club, are you suddenly giving them a starting jersey and getting them to be the best of themselves when they haven't been playing that much? So how how does that happen? If you're not playing, Ryan, and then the manager makes changes, but you're in the huff, can you still give your best next game out? Yeah, that's, that's when... That's the sort of tornado effect of not training well. You know, Personally, I always think... Football can change so so quickly. If you look at my season, you know personally, the the cup final season. So it's 2011-12. You know, played a little bit, then was out of the team. Then Jamie Hamill got injured for three months, so I was in playing. Then when he got back fit, was back out of the team for a little bit. Then Danny Granger got injured, back in on the left, played left back for a bit. Danny got back in. Then me and Hamill played. It was like. There was just always that case of like football could change super, super quickly. So you had to be, make sure that you were ready. And especially Paolo used to change the team constantly. You know, I think I played Tottenham away at the weekend and then wasn't in the squad on the on the on that weekend that followed it up. So he was very much like nobody really knew where they stood, especially myself. But, you know, I took those sort of that season as a good learning season for the rest of my career because y you can't think that you're miles out of it because then when you do get chucked in you're actually miles off it because you've not been doing the right things you've not been training well you've not been listening you've not been understanding the tactics that's been going on during the week but you know that also comes from your senior players to make sure that you know those players are doing it as a senior player at St. Johnson I always tried to make sure that 
you're setting a good example, you know, try not to, like the you know, stupidest things that people will be rolling their eyes at, you know, don't be late, be nice and early for meetings, make sure you're listening, passing drills, making sure you're getting them right, you know, just doing all the little stuff right because, you know, what's the old saying devil's in the detail if you start missing out little things mm -hmm. during the week then you start missing it out at the weekend and all of a sudden you've let your man go and you start scoring and you know even us at st johnson we've we've had you know run a bit of a bad run at the minute but we have been on bad runs throughout the season we've been on good runs and our main thing is is to be making sure that come a saturday our training week's been really good we can't really declare the outcome you know because it's a game of football anyone can win but if we know that we've trained well as a group we've been at it everybody's training well you know that's one to 17 one to 21 whoever's been training that week if we can all come in on a friday and be like right we're all ready we're ready for this game as best as we can what happens tomorrow we can't control that you know like at the weekend andy can get sent off after three minutes and totally changes the game plan but you need to kind of have that squad and have that capability of, of going into those games. And, uh, you know, again, I've been into changing rooms where boys are coming off on a Friday being like, that training was shit, you know. I think we're going to get beat tomorrow and blah, blah, blah. And I, I just have a feeling that might be something that's going on at the minute at, at Hearts with a few players that aren't too happy with the results, a few players not happy with boys that are playing, a few players probably not happy with the manager few players I, I can't remember who it was not happy with the fans up at uh, up at Aberdeen you know probably think you know there's probably a few of them sitting there going we're third in the league like all right we're on a bit of a bad run but what's everybody getting on about but you know two months before they were saying that they wanted to try and catch Rangers and they wanted to look up the way and not back the way you can't have it all you know you can't be like yeah we want to try and get closer to Celtic and Rangers and then all of a sudden you're you're getting beat off, you know, Kilmarnock and Aberdeen and then saying, well, what, what are everyone getting angry at? We're still at third. You know, you, you need to accept the the highs and the lows and, you know, hearts over the season have done well because they've got themselves in that position, but they haven't been doing too well recently, which is going to get them criticism for sure. Right. Ah, need that. Let's talk about, let's talk about the game a little bit more. Um, I mean the two goals. So the two goals is there are two moments that you can't really start talking about the manager too much about because the two goalkeeping errors, unfortunately. The first one's a long range shot that he should hold. Spells gives away a penalty, which is tucked away. The second one, Xander Clark is obviously struggling with an injury, which forces him off at this time, the time of recording. We don't know how bad. Um Rumours going about maybe it's going to be a bad one and we won't see him again for the rest of the season, but let's not speculate too much, although that's what I just did. But whatever happens, it's an error for the second one as well. Across it should be defended. But Mark, the two, the two goals aside, because the two goals are individual errors and they can happen in the best of performances, they didn't concern me as much as everything that went before and after the goals. Um, in particular, after the red card for Kamarnik, because so slow and pedestrian and there's one player in particular I know don't like singling people out too much but we've spoken about him before already now he's not he's not the one who decides he's starting I hope <laughs> I hope that's still the manager but Robert Snodgrass we've spoken about him repeatedly now he was excellent when he first joined he was he was he was a revelation so much better than 
what we thought he could have done at his age at Hearts. And we've spoken about it. We gave him lots of praise. So it's only right that right now it goes the other way because for me, he's, you know, Barry Mackay was one of the big issues, but we see Barry Mackay going out. Robert Snodgrass is still there. And, you know, since the St Mirren away game, where ironically he scored his only Hearts goal, St Mirren seemed to suss him out. That was a game where we're like, wait a minute, actually, yep. this isn't awesome. working. They closed him down. They got two men on him. They got right up against him. And, he kept giving the ball away or getting dispossessed. He wanted more time than St Mirren would afford him. And since then, it just feels like most games, or at least a lot of games, teams sussed out Hearts and Snodgrass. That, look, they want to play patiently and slow. They want to play through Snodgrass. And Snodgrass wants a bit of time on the ball to suss out where he's going to play it, who he's going to pick out, and how he's going to dictate Hearts getting forward. Now, since that St Mirren game, I was having a look Um 13 games since then, Snodgrass has started 10 of them. He missed two with injury and he wasn't played on Livingston's pitch. Um, in those 10, he played 90 minutes apart from the St. Johnson and Aberdeen home games where he came off when we were comfortably ahead. So it seems when Snodgrass is available right now, he will play the entire game pretty much or at least as much of it as you can possibly get out of him. Now, he came out in the press and was, you know, he said the things that annoys fans when there's a run like this, you know, do all that, doing his talking in the press. So much time he wanted. And there was a moment in the first half that summed it up where both Rob and I kind of stood up in commentary because the ball came to Snodgrass, what, 20, just over 20 yards from goal, right of the box, onto his left foot. Perfect. A guy with a left foot like that, try and whip it in the opposite side of the goal. Perfect position. Took a touch, slowed it down, and eventually got dispossessed he wanted like two three touches on it and that was kind of him for the rest of the game and like David Watson who's 18 he's almost half his age was everywhere winning tackles closing him down and it was a moment in the second half where Rob just shouted at him on commentary because again he took the ball he slowed it down he wanted a touch another touch a third touch and he got dispossessed and it just happened so many times and it frustrates me because you know why what is Robbie seeing that has mean that Robert Snodgrass has played 90 minutes every week? Because sometimes, you know, we'll sit here and blame players, but that's when it does come down to the manager as well because he's starting him and he's also not taking him off. And for me, Snodgrass is one of the huge problems for us right now. There's a lot of problems there, but too slow, too pedestrian, wanting too much time in the ball and being too predictable. And so much of that is just, whether it's his fault or not, whether he's asking for it or not, I think often he is, it goes through Robert Snodgrass. Mm -hmm. Robert Bothwick's best line, and you both had quite a few at the weekend because you could sense you were just as frustrated as all of us watching, it was simply two words. And he said, Jesus Christ. And it just summed up the performance. I know when that Robert was. Snodgrass. Yeah, exactly. Was that Snod I, I thought it was going to be the moment where um, the... And you would have seen us trying because you didn't see the full game. It summed it up, though. Second half, this sums up the hearts kind of tempo and urgency um, the Kamara goalkeeper had the ball in his hand so it hadn't gone out of play and Hearts trotted back into position so the Kamara goalkeeper dropped the ball stuck on his, just stuck at the edge of the box and all the Hearts players were still jogging back into their own half mm -hmm. and some of them started turning around and the Kamara keeper was like meh, no, no one's come near me we're winning 2-1, I'll just stand here with it yep. and he stood there for 4 or 5 seconds and the commentary were going is no one going to go and close him down and make him play the ball? And someone eventually went to Ginelli, go, go and close him down. And Ginelli sort of jogged 
towards the commandant box and eventually cleared it. But I was like, it's little things like that. Obviously, that doesn't impact the result. It was a 10-second part of the game. But even things like that, like that, I don't know what you think, Ryan, obviously, that, but does that not suggest an issue when it's not even, like you're just letting the goalkeeper stand there with the ball with the clock ticks away? <laughs> Yeah, it's frustrating, and little things like that. As you know, we're big on it at St. Johnson is body language, is doing the things that you can control. You know, the controllables. If that's you know, if you are behind, our gaffer loves when you you know, quickly get the ball from a throw in, and something might be on, but make it look like you're wanting to get something on it. Because you know, if you you know, if I'm playing right back, if I run to get the ball and back up on the line, ready to take a throw in, then. My centre midfielders are then like, right, we're back on it. He needs to be in position. And it just gets everyone. Whereas if I'm laboured and I'm walking across to get the ball and I'm picking it up and I'm wandering back to the line, they're then thinking, oh, guys, is going to take a little while. I'm going to switch off there. I'm going to, you know, and the other team then, it's just, it's just a knock on effect over everything. Whereas, you know, there's, mm. there's plenty of times when, you know, I'm a defender and there's, goalie's got the ball and they're passing it back and if I see Stevie May or somebody else strikers I've played with Stephen Elliott you know at Hearts pressing and everyone's pressing all of a sudden you're like yeah I'm like you're right up on your man because you're like I don't want to be that one that breaks the press I don't want my man to get it and they all turn around going guys where were you 30 yards away crowd gets up on it you know there's just those little things that the one percenters that can build up and build up and build up and Kilmarnock to their credit at home they're good at doing those little one percenters of you know, just getting crosses into the box, putting people under pressure, winning the corner, gets a crowd up. The question was asked about Robert Snodgrass. I want to ask you a question, and I'm going to follow up on it, Ryan. In the last 13 games, I have got the stat of how many completed tackles that Robert Snodgrass has made. If I said to you, how many completed tackles would you expect your defensive midfielder? And bearing in mind, Ryan, you've played in there. So if you were playing in defensive midfield, how many completed tackles would you expect to make in total in 13 games? Oh, I'm trying to think normally about the average on the stats and that, that they get is, I'm going to say somewhere between two or three. Per game. Per game. So is that 39-ish? So, so you're looking at... I would say probably 30 up. 30 up. Okay. Laurie, how many completed tackles do you think Robert Snodgrass has made in these last 13 games? Okay. We should, I mean, should asterisk that and say that Ryan McGowan playing in a deep midfield role is a, no, no, a ball-winning midfielder. Snodgrass will be like a deep-lying playmaker. But, so, yes, well, that, I, but that's I, the I get thing. Point. Yeah. Robert Snodgrass is being asked to play as our deep-lying playmaker in yes. the absence of Peter Haring and Benny Beningamy. So it is a role where completed 15. tackles are required. You th Only 15 in his last 13 games. Is that your answer? Well, I thought you were going to give me a ridiculous amount. 20. Seven is the answer. Seven? <laughs> he has oh, made God. seven completed tackles in his last 13 games. In 23 games... He's made 23 tackles, one averaging per game, right? So I will say, I will say I'm extremely high on tackles. Is that, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. bring that up. Let's, and, ask, and, let's, and look, let's compare well, Snodgrass's and McGowan's 
Passing success rate. Uh, exactly. see, look at you. Just you couldn't wait to say it. You could not <laughs> wait to get in there. Uh, we're, we're, you asked a question about Robert Snodgrass. Right? I'm giving you a statistic um, that in, involves Robert Snodgrass. This is a player who has been playing further forward in his career, and he's been asked to play a slightly different position, in fact, a very different position, this season. So it's not necessarily, you spoke about it last week, it's not necessarily his best position. Is he a tackler? No, it's not really. It's like asking someone to do something totally different after spending a whole career trying to create or, or do things like that. So there's two points to this. 23 successful tackles in 23 games and seven completed tackles in 13 games. That's a decent spell of of evidence in front of you. So should it take 23 games for the coaching staff to realize playing yeah. him in this position, we're not getting what we hope to get. So, and one of those games, I think perhaps it might have been in the 23 or in the 13, certainly, um, whereby he played in an advanced role. I get that. So it, it's it might come across as a dig about about Robert Snodgrass, but we've tried him in a two and it hasn't worked because there's not legs around him. We've tried him in a three, it hasn't worked. You spoke about not wanting to identify one particular player. We're speaking about Robert Snodgrass here, right? So the common denominator here is, okay, we'll take him out of the team. We've done that a couple of times. How did we fare? Some good, some bad. If we want a quick movement, if we want quick passes, if we want energy, Hopefully Cammy's back for the game against St Mirren. I wouldn't be playing Robert Snodgrass. Okay? Now you're not playing him for completed tackles. I get that. I'm just saying he's only made seven. Which if it, if someone else was making loads, is no problem whatsoever. But the problem we have, and this isn't a dig at Robert Snodgrass, the problem we have, if Robert Snodgrass in that position is only making seven completed tackles in his last 13 games. That is no issue whatsoever if someone else beside him is making loads. There yeah. isn't that someone else. And that's, I, was, that's... I was going to say that. I was going to say that. You, if he's in the team, he's not in there to be breaking it up. You need a couple of dogs next to him and that's to go win it's... the ball back and pass it back. But so that's I, why I think it's that's astounding. Harsh on, yeah, it's harsh that... on him. I was going to say, but that's why it's astounding that, that Robbie, and obviously the weekend, like I said, he can't criticize him for that specifically because Cammy was out but Cammy Devlin's been available and he's not been getting a game he's not even been like at Pataudry didn't come on did he and uh, I mean that's why I, I can't understand that you know Cammy Devlin makes 13 tackles in a half sometimes I'm pretty sure I mean that's what he does that's why I, and even you look at the team at the weekend okay we were missing players you got Andy Halliday didn't come on like I'm not I'm not a massive Andy Halliday fan don't I'm not going to suddenly I'd be it'd be in be disingenuous to me for suddenly start saying I think Andy Halliday is the answer to our issues. But if we've not got people in there with who are fighting and putting in tackles and try to win the ball in the middle of the park, I tell you what, Andy Halliday wouldn't shirk that. No. Um, so, I, by the way, if Andy Halliday has a good weekend training and doesn't start this Saturday, I'd be knocking the manager's door first thing Monday morning, saying, "What the fuck have I got to do?" Now, I, I hope there's changes this weekend. I'm not going to head looking ahead to St. Mirren just yet. But there has to be changes. And we've just spoken about, okay, well, surround Snodgrass with the dogs that are going to do that, that are going to win the ball back, that are going to make the tackles. Well, we surrounded them with George Grant and Keogh at the weekend, and we still had no mobility there as well. So, yes, yeah, Snodgrass, for me, would, would make way this weekend, but there's three or four 
maybe five or six, that I'd say, nah, I'm not happy with this performance either. The problem is, right now, we don't have that strength and depth. For all the lauding of Joe Savage and, and the players that supposedly he's identified or someone has identified and he's helped bring to the club, his success rate in January was not great. And the players that we've got right now, I mean, he brought hell to the club, unused sub at the weekend. He brought cool to the club from Newcastle on loan. Was that a vanity project? Because he can't even get anywhere near a game right now. Another one, an unused sub at the weekend. So there's a lot of questions, and you cannot just pinpoint one particular person. You cannot say, this is Robert Snodgrass' fault on the pitch. You cannot say, this is Joe Savage's fault off the pitch. You cannot mm. say, this is Robbie Nielsen's fault as far as coaching is concerned. There has to be collective blame here, but there has to be a way out of this. There has to be an identification of, that's wrong, this is wrong, we need to do that. Because I thought with two weeks after the Aberdeen game that we could do something and we would see a reaction against Kilmarnock. What the fuck did we do for two weeks? No, I, th I think the balance is... The well, I think... Robbie probably doesn't know his strongest 11 right now. Even if everybody was fit, he doesn't know that. And that's not a great place to be in. And he's shuffling his pack and it's still not working out. And he's just trying to stumble across some kind of formula or formation or players that will work together and try them together. And because and they've not got that and the results aren't going his way, you're then like, oh, do I chuck six or seven of them in and it could be an absolute disaster but i'm gonna to have to try you know he's just in that real difficult spell at the minute where you know we're talking about snodgrass who i was just quickly looking at some stats there he's got the most chances created for hearts he's got 33 chances created he's number one so as much as he's a player if you then take him out who who's going to even give you the chance of winning that game. You know, so you might solve that one problem of you continually win the ball and you're, you know, dominating the midfield. But then at the end of the game you're sitting there going, We had all the ball and couldn't 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 even get anywhere in, near the eight yard box. You didn't have anyone to, to score. It had no one up front to give it to Shanklin. So they're just in that space where they they're just really unsure of who or what formation to play and if it's going to work or not. I get the points about there's collective blame here. It's not just on one person's shoulders. A lot of players have to take responsibility. However, unfortunately, the way football works, you can't chop and change a whole group of players. Um, not during mid-season and certainly not when you're not in the transfer window. Sporting director, yeah, I, I, I agree. There's questions have to be asked. Um, and, you know, to be fair... In January, you know, you think end of January, Robbie Nielsen's manager of the month. Uh, we're coasting in third. We're talking about the strength and depth we've got. So, you know, it's, football changes very quickly. Um, we can't pretend that we didn't speak about, oh, look, we've got a, well, it looks like we've got a strong squad. Right now, chips are down. It doesn't look like we've got a strong squad. But my concern right now, you know, tactically, we've had concerns about Robbie Nielsen. And we spoke about it after the Aberdeen game. We needed a response. Certain system wasn't working. <laughs> Let's not trying to do a tactical analysis again just now. My big concern is those players did not look up for it at the weekend. And I, yeah, yep. it's like you, Mark, it's hard. I don't want to start saying they chucked it, you know, down tools, whatever. 
I don't know what it was, but something wasn't right. You know, the body language, um, the the desire. Fair enough. You you lose football games. It happens. Even even against teams that you should beat, sometimes you just lose. They 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 just happen to be up for it. They get a little break. Um, they have a they they all play out their skins. What I think a lot of fans and they show the frustration at the end of the game really can't accept is just looking like the other team wanted it more than us. And that's what it was on Saturday. You know, Kilmarnock to a man looked like they were up for it. Apart from Shankland, okay, I'll give Shankland, I thought he still looked like he was fighting. Um, but almost every Hearts player out there looked second to every ball, didn't want to put the foot in the tackle. And, you know, David Watson might turn out to be a fantastic player for, for Scotland. Hope he is. Hope, hope he has a great career. That's a second start for an 18 year old. And he's running about winning the ball from our midfielders, running rings around you know, experience that we've got and gave far more than any of our players. That That's unacceptable. And yet, look, I, I'm slating Robert Stoggrass to a degree, but, you know, by in turn, I'm talking about the manager because he's the one who plays him in that position and keeps playing him. If a player's not, if it's not working for a player in a certain position and he's not performing, then it's up to the manager to find a way around it. I know there's players missing. I know Kame was out and Benny's been out the whole season, but... It does come down to the manager, and I'm going to try and move on from Kilmarnock specifically because we've got some emails um, and we've got a lot of tweets. So I'm going to I'm going to push things forward a little bit and get some views from from outside. Forest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. So like I said, we've got a couple of emails, um, got some tweets I'm going to try and skim through, but a couple of emails we've had in. I want to get to these because, you know, this is not, let, let, let's be frank, this is not going to be a, a Robbie Out podcast. It's not going to be a staunch Robbie In podcast. We're trying to get a, a bit of balance here because I know there's been a lot of anger, a lot of people saying they think the manager should get changed. There's some angles of people saying that's ludicrous, we're in 30 you know that why are we even asking that question for me personally and i'll get you know your view mark um i'm in between i think there's i understand both sides of it i understand the anger um i watch hearts i can see something's not right but at the same time you do have to take into account the position we're in and the kind of i suppose the longer term view of where we're going which um post after the season i don't know anyway i'll start with the first email so uh, this is from alexander scott who says gents hope all is well um maybe this email can distract from the analysis of saturday's game yeah exactly however what follows is going to be far from positive apologies but i would like to vent on a few topics nielsen in out in out let's be frank on this one hearts are no longer a knee-jerk decision-making club it's most likely robbie will be in charge next season regardless of third or not this campaign the board will back him again in the summer and give him the chance to correct things. There is nothing wrong with fans demanding him to go, minus vandalism, as the beauty of football can come from polarising opinions. However, I'm yet to see someone suggest a legitimate replacement if he was to be relieved of his duties and with it being so close to the end of the season, we would most likely have a caretaker manager to see out the remaining fixtures with no guarantee of changing fortunes. From my perspective, I'm on the fence, I guess. 
Internally, there needs to be some serious questions asked of Robbie Nielsen and the players, as it seems to be the same mistakes and lack of accountability on the pitch the past month or so. Injuries. I'll keep this one as short as possible because you can, de- you could dedicate a whole podcast to the topic, but three come to mind. Halkett, Beningamy and Boyce. Halkett with his aerial presence. I don't see us conceding as many set pieces and corners. Beningamy. It's been highlighted that Snodgrass has been struggling recently and what is clear is the lack of progressive passes either from defence or the central defensive midfield row. Now I'm confident last season Benny was among the highest ranked in that bracket. Being able to take a ball from the centre-back, turn and find the attacking line. If we had him available, it would certainly take pressure off Snodgrass being the only outlet for us. Boyce scored 16 goals last season. You can see now, taking that out of the team is hurting us. Too much expectation on Shankland and little to nothing coming from others. January transfer window. The message from the club and some of the press was that this was a somewhat positive window. The additions, according to the coaching staff, added quality. In hindsight... I feel this couldn't be further from the truth. Oda, we need to understand it's a project, so Jury will be out on him, won't be out on him until the end of this next season. A fair amount of time to adjust and prove himself. Kual, a wonder kid with a lot of hype, and that all that's all it seems to be. Being thrown into games in positions that don't seem to suit him. This level first team football looks to be too big a step for him at the moment. Hill, biggest disappointment for me. Has had a good amount of first team minutes under his belt and had a decent first couple of games. Since then, looks to be the opposite and a player who's really suffered during the team's poor form. And breathe. At least we're at home on Saturday. 2-1 victory and another Shanklin goal. Um, Laurie, I'd appreciate if you take the time to read this out in the podcast. All the best, Alex. So I did. I, I read through it. Um, some good points there. And covers, I guess, a lot of the concerns that we have just now, Mark. It does. It's a very good email. And it's, this is difficult to look at from the perspective of not having a view on whether the manager should stay or, or should go. What we're trying to do is, as Laurie quite rightly said, we're we're trying to provide a balanced viewpoint from both sides of the argument and let you, let you make your own mind up. It, it will probably not change how you think and what you w- wish to happen. It may tweak um, something that you haven't thought of before. It's our job to to put the stuff on the table and to to let you consider it. And emails like that do that. And there'll be another email which Laurie will read out in a minute. The frustrating thing from a fan um, watching players who we've seen and, and get Ryan in on this as well. And the St. Johnson game we mentioned earlier this season and other games. We've seen the same players the Zurich first half, I, I don't know if Hearts have played better. Uh, and I know we didn't score. But just the, the urgency, the effervescence, the movement, the off-the-ball movement, the hunger, the crowd behind it. It was uh, and, until George Grant got sent off. That that was brilliant. I was watching it in the house, and honestly, they, they were fantastic. And a lot of these players were the same players at Kilmarnock, at Aberdeen, at Motherwell. Not so much against Celtic because they're a much better side. So what is it that constitutes in one game against Zurich or games against Dundee United or Johnston or whoever would be really, really good to suddenly now we look like we're not interested. That's the bottom line. Could they try a bit harder? Yes, I think they could. Could they make that extra run? Yes, they could. Are they hiding a little bit? Maybe they are. Now, 
again, blame culture, you can spray it around wherever you want. I'm not particularly interested in that's to blame, this is to blame. Everybody's culpable in, in, in whichever way, some more than others. The frustrating thing from a fan, Ryan, is that we see these players who we know are good players. They wouldn't be at hearts if they weren't good players. And we've seen them be really good players. We've seen them play really well. But they're not now. So what has changed? And how do we change it back? Well, it's a million dollar question, isn't it? Um, it's so hard to do because it has to be, it's a collective thing. It comes from the manager, it comes from staff around him, senior players, younger players. You know, we spoke about Kumanic. Sometimes it's like that, the 18-year-old centre midfielder that's gets chucked in at the deep end and starts showing everybody up and you're a little bit like, well, you know, as a teammate, you're like, oh, look at this guy, off he goes, let's, you know, let's help him. Let's, we, we should be doing the effort that he's putting in. Sometimes it takes that, you know, just a, a young player that's that's brought in. You know, McInnes has been around the trap. He probably knows that it's a young Killy boy from that area, get the fans going, can do those little one percenters that we we're talking about. You know, the guys that were likely to come in are on loan. Yeah, well, Connor Smith, Finley Pollock. Oh, bring them in. Give them, give give a little bit of energy. Oh, we can't. They're they're on loan. So yeah, we did yes. we did different we did different voice. Hell, I'm not look. I'm not talking about getting rid of Robbie or anything like that right now because that that ain't happening. Okay, Hearts are Hearts are chasing Europe. And and by the way, if Hearts finish third, there'll be a post mortem in the summer. There'll be a recap. Okay, what what went right? What went wrong? What can we do better? If Hearts finish fourth, they'll be exactly the same, but it might have more. Um, <laughs> there might be more things that they have to speak about and more decisions that they have to make. So, status quo isn't working. So let's try something a little bit different. What if Frankie McAvoy, who is the academy director at Hearts and has taken the B team recently, what if he? continued to take the B team between now and the rest of the season. He took the B team because Stephen Naismith was away on international duty with Scotland. What if Stephen Naismith was added? Now, again, we, we don't know if Stephen Naismith, because we're not at Rickerton, we're not at the Orium every single day. So I don't know what part Stephen Naismith plays as far as the first team is concerned, if he has a big part in training, if he doesn't have any part in training, if he's only with the B team. But what if we brought in a different voice in addition to the voices we already have to shout at the players, to give them something, to give them encouragement, momentum, to have a go at some that aren't pulling their weight? Could that be something? Because as I said so, earlier, so why don't, doing the so same thing would change things. So, so why don't you just sack the manager and put Stephen Naismith in charge? But wh why would you sack the manager, as, as I said last week? Okay, the, I'm not saying that's what I would do, but some people will. That's that is. No, I'm, 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 I can, this is I my can personal guarantee, opinion. This is, I can guarantee this is, someone will be listening saying, well, "Why of course. is Stephen Smith in charge?" Of course, I, I'm thinking from a heart's perspective. There's 99.9% .9 certainty that they will not be sacking Robbie Nielsen right now. That's as close as you're going to get to 100%. That ain't going to happen. I'm speaking. From what I think Hearts will do right now. Now, they have to be proactive. They can't just wait until the summer and see see how it goes, right? But this is the discussion we've had over the last couple of weeks. This I is know, this I conduit. Just, 
the way you're, you're right talking, to say that. The, no, the way you're, you're, you're talking right. is kind of right leaning into that. Have to be proactive. Needs a different voice. Need to change things. I I I know for a fact someone listening who's in the camp of we need to change. You know, one hundred percent. And he'd be perfectly entitled to that opinion. But Hearts aren't sacking Robbie Nielsen right now. He ain't going anywhere. Lose to St. Mirren at the weekend. He ain't going anywhere. Lose to Hibbs. He ain't going anywhere. They're not going to sack him. That this... doesn't mean that. That doesn't mean that that's the right decision. And hundred percent, it doesn't mean it's the right. Of course, I'm not. I'm just putting it into perspective. Hearts will not be getting rid of Robbie Nielsen, certainly before the top six split. If we don't win another point, right? If you think it's bad right now, it could get a hell of a lot worse. But he ain't going in. The club is not getting rid of him okay. before the top well, six split. Well, what's interesting then? So what would what, be interesting? What I put out there, because I, I know people will be in the camp of getting rid of, getting rid of him now. I, I am yep. not in that camp. I'm, I, I, I understand that camp though. So I put that out on Twitter um, some options and I, I maybe could have worded the first one a little better but basically option one um, you give him to the end of the season um, if we don't finish third he loses his job. So my suggestion with that was he keeps his job if we do get third. So um, you give him to the end of the season option two is you give him to the end of the season and you remove him even if we're third. So one yep keeps his job if we finish third two Nope, end of the season. Um, even if he gets third, he's gone. Three, remove him now. Four, remove him if we lose to St Mirren. So he, he gets to the weekend. This is a make-or-break game. Now, I'm not saying that these are options that will be considered by the Hearts board, but this is just to get the fans' view, because obviously the, what the board will do and what the fans want them to do is obviously not going to be the same thing all the time. So I put it out there just to see. And look, there is there is a mix of, a mix of views. Um, Sam says... Give him to the end of the season. I can't see any interim doing better or finding a replacement in the meantime. Bear in mind that the rest of the current top six will drop points to the old firm for sure. I don't think we've lost it yet. Mike Bradley says performances haven't been the greatest since New Year. Therefore, it has to be option three. That is remove him now. I'm a fan of Robbie, but even I'm losing patience with these lackluster performances. Every uh, fan's losing patience as they should. They've not been good enough. Yep. Uh, I agree. Um, Dean Smith says it was a two before Saturday. That's given to the end of the season, but he goes then regardless of where we finish. Now I'd be removed him now and give it to Naismith till, till the end of the season. We are too predictable. Soft tactics and player choices poor. Players playing out of position and look lost out there. We've been f- poor for months and got away with it. Um, let's see. Craig Smith says at the minute, third is still in our hands. I'd be inclined to go for option one, which is keep him to the end of the season. And if he gets third, he's fine. I can completely get on board with the other options, however. Um, whip is option four, which is he has till Saturday to turn it around against St. Mirren. Right now, I'm gambling on him to turn it around. Makes more sense than gambling on a bounce back under a new or more likely interim manager. If he can't get a reaction from the players at Tynecastle and maintain our home form, at least, then the equation flips for me. Um, that's a big thing for me as well, I think, timing-wise. you know, Even if you have the choice, Mark, and I, I know what you've said is right, the board aren't going to sack him right now. Even if that was on the table, it's a difficult time to do that. Because um, it will be a caretaker manager. Um, people will say Barry Robson's done very well at Aberdeen. He was one of the first team coaches there. I've heard people say put, give it to Lee McCulloch, who was like, no, no offence, Lee McCulloch's great guy. Sounds like he's doing great at Hearts coaching wise. He was a horrendous manager when he was at Kilmarnock, when he had that chance. Um, 
and there's no guarantee we've said this before is Lee McCulloch potentially one of the ones who's pushing the way we play just now more than Robbie you just don't know maybe he's one of the ones in his ear saying 3-4-3 Stephen Naismith gets shouted about as well maybe Stephen Naismith will turn out to be a fantastic manager I don't know who does know though you don't just because he was a had a great career um and people talk about being a winner and a leader okay the caveat to that is who is our club captain when we were absolutely floundering and um ended up in a complete shambles and bottom of the table which resulted in us going at the championship that's certainly not just on Stephen Naismith's shoulders but he was the one who was around at that point as well so there's always angles to look at things. So for me, that would be why you, you wouldn't change it right this moment. But I have to say, Mark, when we spoke about this with Scott and Ian being on the show, I very I very confidently said, if Robbie Nielsen finishes third, he should keep his job. And I'm for that. I have to say, part of me now is leaning towards, if we do manage to dig this out and finish third, maybe it is a good time to consider a change. That would be the category that I would be quite... I didn't think I would consider, and I'm not saying the board will consider it, but for me, you know, sometimes the problem with football clubs, you only you only change from a position of weakness. So it's it's kind of like desperation. You've got yeah. into a position... You've got into the position we got into under Levine where we just had to. Uh, you know, we were, we were sinking. It was a sinking ship. So fair enough, Daniel Stendhal... It didn't work out, and I, I think a lot of that is on the position we were in. A lot of that's on him as a manager as well. But we were already gone, basically. I don't. Uh, it's hard to put that all on his shoulders. Football clubs change from a position of weakness. They really change from a position of right. We've actually had a decent season. We've got Europe next season. We've got a good bit of money coming in. We've got a whole summer to strengthen a squad, which has got a decent core. Maybe that is the time to actually think. This is a good time to change, not three months into the season when our manager has made all his new signings and we're sitting in eighth place and it's already a potential season that's been written off. There's a reason that football clubs don't change from a position of strength. There's a reason that businesses don't alter things from a position of strength because it's a gamble. Sacked in the Morning is a really good podcast on BBC Scotland that they produce with Amy Irons and Craig Levine. Graham Arnold, the Australia coach, someone that Ryan knows very well, um, was on it this week and was asked, and I'm sure Ryan will, will remember this, um, about changing goalkeepers prior to the penalty shootout when mm-hmm. Matt Ryan, who's the undoubted number one at Australia, was replaced Captain. by Andrew Redmayne. Yeah, exactly. Andrew Redmayne, come on, much bigger supposedly better at taking penalties and Graham Arnold said look it was a position of strength but fuck me it was a gamble he said he was prepared to go to the outback to take his his camper van um, to take a couple of members of his family and never be seen again if that didn't happen if that ended up being the wrong decision it was a position of strength they were in but he elected to make a change it went well but it was a gamble so there's an element of don't change from a position of strength if it's a sideways move. Now, he thought that Andrew Redmayne was better at saving penalties than Matt Ryan. So it wasn't a sideways move for him. It was a, this is calculated. There's a reason I'm doing this. 
And I think we're getting a better outcome, or we will get a better outcome, but we're putting in place the best things to get us that better outcome. If there was someone out there that was clearly a better option for Hearts right now, that wouldn't be a sideways move. It would be moving from a position of strength to someone that they think is better than what they already have. But I'll tell you something, it wouldn't be made right now. And I'll tell you something else. If I'm thinking 99.9% of the chances of Robbie Nielsen not getting taken out of his job by the top six split, I'm pretty much going the same number of him staying in charge if Hearts finish third. Because that is giving Hearts a five, six million um, windfall under him. Right now, Hearts board doesn't do anything. They're monitoring things, but they don't do anything in the short term. And if Hearts finish third, for me, it's status quo. The big question is, and that has to be a huge question, because our form right now, I'd... I saw you you sent me a message saying uh, Aberdeen are four sure. to one to finish third and Hearts are one to three. I tell you what, I know where the value lies and it isn't with Hearts, Laurie. We're in a precarious position right now because I don't I, I don't have an answer as to what can change. I'm not there day in, day out, and I, I don't know how we suddenly go from being shite to turning it around, but we have to find a way. Mark, that's a big shout to say that you don't think you'll be sacked. Before the split, he, he I have won't, to. If they don't pick be. up any, if they don't pick up any points, could be like a. But the story, Aberdeen, the story Aberdeen, for, Aberdeen, for example, could be four points clear going into the split. Oh, I'm, I'm, it's, I'm it's talking it's about done then. It's done then. If Aberdeen are four points clear, pretty much because our away record afterwards is, is awful. Um, I'm, I'm talking from a Hearts perspective. I don't think they get rid of they get rid of Robbie Nielsen. At least until the if they're going to do it. I don't think it's done prior to the split. I'm pretty convinced at that. So, right, this is this is one of the things about the sim. So, uh, what I would think, like from the from the flip side about keeping him in charge, I think at the moment, you know, at the end of January, everything was you know there was so much praise, everything was rosy. I know people will say some of the performances maybe were uh, you know flattered to deceive, etc. But you know, football is a results based business. So, yes, at that point, everything's great. Uh, you're getting you're getting praise. Equally, it'll change in two months if you have a bad run like we've been on. Um, I think they're banking on the fact that we are still very efficient at home. You know, we're, we're going to the St. Mirren game unbeaten in 15 at home if you take away Rangers What is it, 31 points from 33 against teams out with Rangers and Celtic? Is that right? Um, I've not got the points something, in front of me. It's but something it's, like that. It's close yeah, to that. I, I mean, uh, at home, we are very efficient. We get results. So if take Rangers and Celtic out, we've won 13 and drawn two of our last 15 at home. Um, and if you look at the table, so I think this is what, if I was the board and looking at it from an angle of, are we still, are we still in a position we could get third? I, I, I have my doubts now because Aberdeen have got the momentum, but you look at it. So we've got um, St. Mirren and Ross County before the split. So, beats at Mirren Ross County. So I'm say you get nothing out of the derby, which you know I think we still could. Hibs are a bit of a basket case, but say say you don't say you just win those two home games, St Mirren Ross County. You'll have Hibs and Aberdeen at home after the split. Likely them at home and one of uh, Celtic or Rangers, isn't it? Um, 
So, assume you don't get anything against them. So, say you beat Hibs and Aberdeen at home, because our home record is very good. So, that's say you got four wins, 12 points. That would be us up to 57 points. That's 13 more than what Aberdeen currently have. Our goal difference is 10 better than Aberdeen just now. I don't want to, you know, don't want to tempt fate, but touch wood, that's a hard one to swing if you're winning similar amounts of games. So it's a 14-point swing maybe that Aberdeen, uh, 14 points that Aberdeen would maybe need to finish above us with that. Now, assuming they lose, lose to us in this scenario, there's 21 points there left to play for. Three of their last seven games will be against Rangers and Celtic. I believe at the moment, Two of them will probably be away. But again, it does depend on the split and how they decide these things. But three of them against Rangers and Celtic, they tend to lose those. They could lose all of those. That's down to 15 points left to play for. So they'd have to get all those points then. So there's not... It's not a done deal. Uh, and look, yeah, people can say, but Aberdeen can come to Tynecastle and get a result. Yeah, they absolutely could. Um, Aberdeen could lose points at Ross County though this weekend. So I would say... Looking at the fixtures, I think the board would maybe look at it. Or those who are saying, like, we have to keep them in place. Our home record is excellent, and that's not wavered too much. You know, we've got the most points per game outside of Rangers and Celtic. 2.21 points per game at home. Um, the problem being, so we're third, third best for that. The problem being away from home, we have a worse away record than half the league. 0.88 points per game away average would be seventh in that um projected table although actually aberdeen's record is slightly worse hearts and aberdeen are very similar teams record wise in terms of lots of points at home pretty poor away from home so that's i i guess mark that's how you'd maybe weigh it up you know from a risk point of view at the moment robbie nielsen's team are still getting points at home we're not doing well enough away and Everything else is an unknown at this point. You know, April, change your manager, put someone in charge. You've got no evidence of them doing anything as a senior manager. That's a big risk. So for me, I would certainly still be leaning towards that. However, you know, like what Ryan says, if we lose at home to St. Mirren, that changes things quite a bit, I would say. It, it, because, it does. So let me give you the explanation to, to, to what Ryan said. That's a big call, me saying that. And there's a reason I chose the split and not the end of the season. Okay? If Hearts lose to St. Mirren, Robbie Nielsen won't be sacked. The Edinburgh Derby, if Hearts lose that, that would be six in a row defeats. Still not convinced he gets sacked. If Hearts lose against Ross County, it becomes very difficult to justify keeping him in a position. That then takes us to the split. That's the reason I gave you then. I don't think he goes before that. And it's all right to say, oh, it's St. Men at Ross County, both at home, our home form. And Laurie's right to, to, to say that as well. But just because we have taken these 31 points from 33, if that's the case, outside of the old firm, doesn't necessarily mean we're going to take three, one, whatever, against St. Mirren and Ross County. I think the split is when the Hearts board reassess. And if Hearts get a couple of wins from these next three, he's going nowhere. If Hearts win one and draw two, he's going nowhere. Look, we've got St Mirren and Ross County at home. If we can't take six points from six from those two, minimum requirement of four, but probably six, we don't deserve to finish third. So, so That's Mirren, where we are right now. You know, 
St. Mirren, oh yeah, okay, fair enough. St. Mirren have, have only lost one of the last five. But away from home, they've got one win in 13 away from home. Um, now, Ryan, you uh, played against St. Mirren for St. Johnston, 25th of February. They actually needed a very late equaliser against your side who had to play typical St. Johnston, had to play half a game of 10 men. Um, you know, in your eyes, you know, you've you've seen St. Mirren on the road. I know they're a tough team to play in Paisley. In my view, you know, away to Kamark and Aberdeen, their disappointments for me as a Hearts fan, rightly or wrongly, Hearts have always been pretty poor away from home. Um, I'm not saying that's a good reason to accept it. I'm not accepting it, but it's still not a massive surprise that we didn't pick up points in those games. Right now, we're relying on our home form. For me, this could be a game. It changes look at the com- complexion quite a bit for me if we lose on Saturday. And I'd, what are your views on St Mirren? So this is Hearts at home to the St Mirren side. You've come up against them. Is this a is this a game that Hearts fans really should be expecting their team to win? Yeah, I think so. And it's a good opportunity for them to do that. But I think the first 30 minutes of this game is going to be absolutely crucial. I keep going on about it, but they need to start bright. They need to start positive on the front foot. Otherwise, it could be perfect for St. Mirren. Because they're a little bit like us away from home. Just sit in, try and make it as difficult as possible. Have a few players that can cause you problems. Got a few dogs in the midfield that will snap into tackles and win the ball. Um, I was actually at the game. Must have been the last time St. Mirren played Hearts. It was a night game. I think it was 2-0 or 1-0, was it? Trying to think, Barry Mackay scored uh, the one nil home game. Was it one nil? Yeah, cracking goal. Yeah, good goal. Um, but I thought Saint Mirren actually played relatively well there, uh, and were quite unlucky. So they will have that confidence of you know that previous visit or trip to Tynecastle of knowing that they did reasonably well there, and also have that feeling of you know we can get something here. Um, so it, 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 the whole, all of the pressure at the weekend will be on Hearts to make sure that, that they can win that game. And, you know, like what we were kind of discussing earlier, I don't know, I wouldn't like to be a Hearts player or manager or part of the staff if they don't get the result at the weekend, because it's just... There'll be, there'll be no patience, Ryan, in the stands, and, and quite rightly so. That yeah, that's can, why the first... Can... 10, 20 minutes is of going to course. be hugely important. You, you can call for Hearts fans to get right behind the team. You can call for them to be the 12th man. You can call for help from the stands. And, and no doubt Robbie will will try and, and do that. And and Hearts fans might reciprocate for the first couple of minutes. But a couple of mistakes back to back. And mm-hmm. it'll be it's going to require some strong-willed characters in mm-hmm. maroon jerseys this weekend. Because this is not one for the week. No, 100% agree with you. 100% agree with you. And it's also not a game that St. Miriam will be going into that game pretty confident they could get something. And also, it's a little bit of a free hit for them. You know, if they lose that game, everyone's expecting them to lose. They need to try and win to, you know, get in the top six and stay in the top six. So, it's, you know, it's not as if it's going to be a an easy type game. Um, and they'll also know that, you know, a couple of mistakes they get their press right and force hearts into a few areas like you said it will, it will test the you know a bit of the 
mental strength of some of the Hearts players who, you know, probably most, the majority of them wouldn't have experienced the sort of no. time at Hearts where it's been like this and the fans can really get on their case. You know, if a few players thought that some fans up in Aberdeen were, um, you know, a little bit unhappy with how they performed, hmm. if they've not really had a, a full-time castle bane for blood when, you know, results haven't been going their way. So, yeah, it's... um. It's a big game at the weekend and one that the sort of leaders will need to step up for. Laurie, quick one for you. I want to take you back to October, start of October. We were on a similar type bad run. Thumped 4-0 against Rangers with that ridiculous um, formation and and tactics. Thumped 3-0 against Fiorentina at home. Drew 2-all at Kilmarnock. Lost 5-1 at Fiorentina, lost 2-0 at Aberdeen, lost 4-3 against Celtic. You're like, when's it going to turn around? But then in the league, after that, we won at Ross County, we beat Motherwell, narrow defeat at Ibrox, drew against Livingston, beat Kilmarnock, drew at Dundee United, won at St Johnston, beat Hibs, drew at St Mirren, beat St Mirren, beat Aberdeen, won at Hibs in the Cup, and drew at Livingston. So we have shown it before. The players have shown before that in adversity, they have found a way to do so. Never has it been more important for that to happen again, starting this weekend. Yeah. However, I just think this weekend is it's slightly different. It's a home game against a team, with all due respect to St Mirren, that we would expect to be. Although we were not on a great run back then, we've had some poor results there and now. Maybe it's away from home a lot of them, or we've been, you know, playing Rangers or Celtic. I think it changes the complexion this weekend. You know, if we lose on Saturday, I, I would probably go as far as saying I'd struggle to see a way back. Um, you know, I know we've got a derby after that. You can say derbies take care of themselves. If we go into the the derby with that kind of run, with that kind of atmosphere, I don't know. I, I, for me, I think it's a a pivotal game. I would just, I'm not saying the board will necessarily, I, I agree with you, I don't think they would necessarily make a move even if we lose on Saturday. Even me, who's, who I certainly wouldn't say I've, I've ever lent towards Robbie out apart from after Brora, when we spoke about that and we said, you know, we, we didn't see a way back from then so yeah, I was wrong at that point, maybe I'll be wrong again. I would just see, I would struggle to see a way back for him and this current setup. If we lose to St Mirren on Saturday, personally, let's hope we don't have to worry about that, and let's hope we get all three points. Let's hope we do. <laughs> um, Ryan, well, I don't know if you want to hang around for predictions, or if you, if you need to dash. I'll off. jump. I'll jump off. I don't want to do predictions. No, <laughs> so, sensible chap. So, um, so we will predict St Johnston's horrendous home record to continue when they play Ross County. No, come oh, on. no, St Johnston will not. No, <laughs> hey, en- enough, enough. St no. Johnston, St Johnston will take seven points from their three games before the split. St Johnston's, St Johnston's home record is, is stinking as Hearts away record. Yeah, we're, but, not, good. we're not great at home. You're not Ryan great at home. Though. You're not. That depends who you ask. That could be good or bad. Hey, what Hearts and Johnson double this weekend? How about that? I would like that. That'd be good. Guys, Ryan, thank you, thank you for the explanation. Hey, Dunsa, this is why he doesn't come back. 
<laughs> Thanks, Ryan. Right, no worries, guys. See you later on. Bye, Bye. Bye. Take care. You're a rascal. Honestly, you're the type of person that would go into someone's house and complain about their curtains. God, have you seen Ryan's curtains? Shocking. Right, let's move on. Okay, been a bit of a mismatch this week. Uh, miss a mismatch? How many beers have I had? A mishmash this week. A mishmash. Um, you're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. I'll quickly read out an email before we do our predictions, because uh, we got one from Martin, and I've not got to it yet. He says... Um, Having spent hours in a car driving to Bedford, I've had some time to digest Saturday's debacle. Waking up, I see the Foundation Plaza has been vandalised. That's not great. I think that type of stunt completely causes the board to dig in and say we're fan-owned, not fan-run. Rightly so. But let's break down our recent uh, failings. We've gone from 11 clear in third to 1. Just a sidebar, I don't think we... I think we were 11 clear of Hibs at one point, but we weren't ever 11 clear in third. But I'll... It doesn't change the the gist of the email. Um, Martin says, lost to Motherwell, Aberdeen and Kilmarnock. Slow to the ball. We don't look like we want to win as much as our opponents. Rob Borthwick called this out on Hearts TV. To me, I trace it back to the Rangers debacle. Robbie hung Kuol and Mackay out to dry in centre midfield. He then refused to acknowledge the error. We were battered that night and we've never really recovered our momentum. On the park, defending set plays, we look like we don't train together. The third goal at Aberdeen, the line is high and the guy strolls in. We are weak under high balls. Motherwell and Kelly literally did the same thing. We've known Halkett has been a miss all season, yet we do nothing to bring in a dominant centre-back. Snodgrass, right, he's a good player, but our whole philosophy, every ball to him, no defender breaks the lines. So predictable, hugely frustrating. Martin. So, just don't add that because it does summarise a lot of the frustrations that we've mm-hmm. had as well. And on the note of frustrations, um, Hearts submitting this weekend, Mark, we should look ahead to it and um, predict our blindly optimistic results going into a game with Hearts having lost four in a row, five of our last seven league games. But I said, at home, this is where we've kind of fallen back on this a little bit. We've won seven of the last nine. And if you take the Rangers and Celtic results out, unbeaten in 15 to the rest and that's winning 13 and drawing two against the St Mirren side who have struggled away from home which means inevitably are we looking at a St Mirren win <laughs> no why nope. do you say that no just because I'm playing devil's advocate I'm in uh, and I'm in a bad mood no 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 uh, some of your predictions recently have been ridiculous I am going to predict um, the hearts win I should say but I'm just I'm just trying to I'm I'm playing both sides here. Look, this weekend we have to place our trust, our collective trust, in over the last four or five weeks, players who've been very untrustworthy. But we have to do it. You don't just burn your scarf when you're unhappy and you say, I'm never going to the football again. Okay? You're in it for the ups, you're in it for the downs. It's the hope that kills you. But the hope remains eternal as a, as a Hearts football fan. We've been through a lot worse than this. But this isn't great right now, and I don't like the reaction, but it's it's not great right now because we've set standards, and those standards we have been nowhere near of late. If Hearts don't start quickly this weekend, the atmosphere will be like a care home straight after dinner. It'll be quiet. There'll be not much noise whatsoever. 
And it's up to the players. We speak about it's up to the players to generate something for the fans to get behind, or it's up to the fans to generate a noise that the players can feed off. It's up to the players this weekend, 100%. It's up to the players to give us something, to give those in attendance something, right from the start. Because if Robbie Nielsen doesn't drum it into them, and if they don't realise themselves that it will not be a nice place to play in if they start slowly and they allow St Mirren the ball, because Hearts fans will be perfectly entitled as a accumulation of what we have seen of late for the first couple of missed passes to get on the players' backs. For any pass that goes back when it could have gone forward to get on the players' backs. So the players have to be brave. If they are, and they play well, and they find form, and they get confidence back, then I think we'll have turned the corner. I'm going to go for a really nervy 1-0 win. And I'm going to go for a Lauren Shanklin penalty. And I'm going to go for an atmosphere that is not nice, but we we find a way. We get the job done somehow. I, I'm not looking for this. In an ideal world, I'd love it to be a 4-5-0, brilliant Hearts best performance of the season. That ain't going to happen on the back of what we've seen. It's more likely to be a really scrappy encounter. If we're not up for the battle, we're in trouble. And we have to pick players. Halliday is the first name on the team sheet. I'm not playing Snodgrass. Shanklin captain. I'm not picking a team. I don't I don't know the team. I'd make changes. I don't know who who I would change. But Halliday plays for me, Snodgrass doesn't. And by the way, Barry Mackay does. Because we need some sort of creativity from somewhere. So there's a couple for you. A 1-0 hearts win, Shanklin penalty. You. I think you're right about it being it's not going to be nice. It's going to be nervy. Uh, it's going to be tension in the stands, and it's probably not going to be much in it. St. Mirren are stuffy side, you know. So they're not great away from home, but they try and make themselves hard to beat. They'll make it a battle. Um, it's one of these things I do wish is that I really hope everyone tries to get behind the team, regardless of their feelings. You know, it's a massive game. You know, they were the star whether, body. The hard whether fans. you're, yep, yeah, whether you're Nielsen in or you're Nielsen out, you know, whatever happens, short, medium, long term, we need a big win on Saturday, and obviously. A good, a good noise and a good support will help that. I'm going to go two one hearts, um, and yeah, I think Lawrence is my he's the only guy I can back just now. So Shanklin on the score sheet as well for me. Well, but one of the I'm only going, ones we know is going to start, right? Yeah, I'll go two one. But yeah, something has to change. I don't know what Cami's time scale is, but I'm hoping he might be available again. Oh, if he's available, he starts. He has to be him, in, yeah. him and Halliday in the middle of the park, uh, along with whoever. But we just, you cannot keep picking the same team or relying on players that are letting you down. You've got to decide who's the most reliable and are there ones that aren't on the park in recent games that you can rely on if they haven't been great in training. There's a lot to work on this week. This week in training is is really important. I just, look, if we can't, if we can't get ourselves up for a game. Fuck training. This week on the well, pitch. No, no, that, the that's game. the most important thing. But <laughs> up until that, Robbie Nielsen's got to see something. He's got to see something from the players that haven't been playing that makes him think, right, I'm, I can trust him. I'm going to put him in. He's shown me something. If it's the same old, same old from those players we mentioned earlier that are just mailing it in, who haven't been playing of late, but they haven't got that kind of effervescence to, to want to play. If you can't get in the team now, having not played the way that hearts are, 
And the team selection will be telling. If there are certain players that are still on the bench this weekend and don't get on, you can read a lot into that as far as the players I mentioned earlier are concerned, but didn't mention them by name. Let's hope there's some kind of reaction because, Christ, we need it, don't we? Oh, we do. We'll be back next week to talk about it. I'm hoping I can look forward to the next one and I don't need a beer to get me through it. Um, but whatever happens, we'll be back in some regard. Thanks to, to Mark for joining me and, of course, Ryan for, for coming back and putting up with my shit. Um, if you want to get in touch in the meantime, you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk or you can tweet at Around the Funnel. Until then, oh, thanks for tuning in. Bye, everyone. Tied up to a heart of stone I screamed into a microphone